today on our podcast, Yasha, Young and Sharing His Anointing. Today on our Let's Wrap readings, we're going to be concluding with our four-part series entitled Dead Men Walking. I want to thank everyone who has taken the time to listen to our entire series. Just in case you're just joining us, I do encourage you to go back and start with part one, The Living Dead. Go on to part two, It's Time to Wake Up. And then there's part three, Dead to Sin. Today we'll be concluding with our four-part series, part four, entitled Spiritual Life. Our scripture today is going to be coming from Colossians, the second chapter, 6 through 15. Let's read. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and power, in whom also ye circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sin of flesh in the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are raised with him through the faith of operation of God, who have raised him from the dead, and who, being dead in your sin and uncircumcising your flesh, have he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against you, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That scripture just covered a lot. But with this passage of scripture we are covering today, we can see that this is another eye-opening letter written by the Apostle Paul to the body of believers in Asia Minor. It is a part of the epistle of Paul to the Colossians. During the time this letter was written, the neighboring cities were on the rise while the city of Colossians was at a period of declining. It is believed that the Apostle Paul never personally visited the city of Colossians during this time of the letter. However, he had hoped to one day visit soon. This letter, like many other letters the Apostle Paul had wrote, is believed to have been written while he was in prison for the first time in Rome. This letter was sent after Paul received a report that false teachers had been gaining a foothold in the church. His purpose for writing this letter was to inform, encourage, and refute. He wanted to inform the Colossians and others whom he had not yet visited to know that he was hard at work on their behalf. He also wanted to encourage them to be strong, be joined together in love so that they might be rich in the understanding of the things of God and Christ. But his main purpose for this letter was to refute the heretic and false teaching that had begun to influence the church of Colossians. In writing this letter, the Apostle Paul took a different approach. Instead of writing this letter refuting false teaching point by point, the Apostle Paul decided rather to show the people of God that all things were filled in the person of God the Son, Christ. He stressed to them the importance of all wisdom and understanding can only be found in Christ 
and the one who redeemed them and now holds authority over all things. He goes on to explain to them the importance of crucifying the flesh and its works and how victory can only be found in being made alive through the Spirit of God. It is my belief that through today's teaching, everything we have covered during the entire series will all come together. And by the time we're done, you will have a better understanding on how to live a victorious spiritual life in Christ Jesus. We begin the study with Colossians, the second chapter and the sixth verse. We're reading from the New Century Version Bible. The Apostle Paul is urging the Colossian church to continue what they had already received, which was Jesus Christ. He was informing them to continue serving the Lord. Verse 6, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue. Continue means to persist in, be sustained, persistent, steady, relentless, uninterrupted. He said, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue to live. We know when we look at the word live, live means remain alive, make one's home with a particular place or a person. He said, continue to live in him. Continue to remain alive. Continue to make Jesus Christ your home. He then goes on to inform them of something very important. In the seventh verse, he says, keep. We know that keep means to remain, to stay, to continue. Position. Keep your roots. When we talk about roots, we're talking about the basic course, the source or the origin of something established deeply or firmly. He said to the church of Colossians, keep your roots, keep the basic original course that you've been on. Keep attached to the source, continue your position, keep it established deeply and firmly. He said deeply in him. So as I begin to look at that, I begin to say, so Holy Spirit, what exactly is the apostle Paul saying to us? What he's saying is stay positioned in Christ Jesus because he is the basic course, the only source, the origin in which we exist. Just like a tree that's planted, he said, its roots are deep in the soil. The Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart and said, Shanina, we too should have all roots deeply planted in the word of God, which is the soil of Jesus Christ. For he is our support. He is our source of conveying living water by which we live, by which we receive the nourishment we so desperately need. He went on to let me know, he said, he is indeed the living word that we need to survive. Not only do we need him to survive, but just like a tree whose roots are deep in the soil by which it receives all the nourishment and supply that it has to be able to nourish the rest of the tree, the branches and the fiber. So should we as believers in the body of Christ be so planted in God and the word of God that we are able to to, because of our roots deeply planted in Christ, be able to supply life and hope to our family, to our friends, and most importantly, to a lost generation that's dying without Christ. As we begin to look at the scripture, the apostle Paul is urging them to keep their roots deep in Christ, deep in him. He said, I believe the apostle Paul wanted the church of Colossians to get this analogy of the roots planted deep so that no one would be able to pluck them from where they were planted by false doctrine. We know that every day we see trees all around us and that have been planted for years. My mom has trees in her backyard that's been there since I was a little girl or even before I was born. I know its roots are established 
and they're deep in the soil. There is no way I can just walk out in the backyard up on that tree and pull it up out of the ground. What the Apostle Paul was saying is that we should be like a tree. Let our roots be planted deep in Christ. Stop letting everybody and everything come along and pull you up from where you've been planted. I say this often when I think about people that hop from church to church or continue to move their membership from place to place. You have to find a Bible-believing church and get in it and get planted. Put your roots down in the soil. It's not going to be perfect. There are no perfect churches. Why? Because you're there. I'm telling you, you have to stay planted in a Bible-believing church and rooted in Christ so you can have time to grow. Every time you up and you move, now you're, you're pulling up your roots. You're destroying roots. Now you got to go replant again. It takes that tree that much longer to live. You have to let the tree stay established so it can get those roots deep down in the ground. I love what the Apostle Paul was saying here because what he was saying is not only should we have our roots deep in him, but we should have our lives built on him. The Apostle Paul very profoundly began to say this here. He told them to do two things, and he told them to do those two things in a specific way. He said they need to keep their roots deep in him and build on him. He was very specific and clear. He didn't once say it in reverse. What I mean by say it in reverse is he didn't say keep your roots deep on him because he knew that we have an adversary. He knew that there's a fowler in the air. He knew that the enemy is throwing his fiery darts always and the elements of this world will come along and destroy the roots if the roots were just on him. But he very clearly said, keep your roots in him. In other words, go deep in Christ. We can't make it being shallow Christian. We have to go deep in Christ. We have to go deep in his word. We have to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. There is no way those roots will survive if the roots are shallow or if they're just above the ground or if they're on top of the ground. We have to go deep. This world is so full already of shallow Christians trying to be deep. Apostle Paul said that we have to be deep. Our roots have to be deep in Christ. Um, another specific thing he said is that we have to build on him. He didn't just say build in him. He said we have to build on him because the apostle Paul knew the importance of when you build a house, the most important thing is the foundation. If the house is built on a shaky foundation, you're in trouble. We know that Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24 and 27, that there are two kinds of people. He began to let them know. He said, they're the ones who hear my word and obey them. And they're like a wise man who build their house on a rock. The rain, uh, it rains hard, the flood comes, the wind blow, it hits the house, but it don't fall um, because it's built on the rock. That rock we know is Jesus. But then the word goes on to say, and there are the ones who hear my word and does not obey them. It's like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. It rained hard, the floods came, the winds blew, it hit the house and it fell with a big crash. The apostle Paul said, build on him. We know who he is, who that him is. That him is Jesus. Jesus is the rock. He is our for sure foundation. When the rain and the storms of life come, and they will come, your house will be able to stand. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. We have to stand on the word of God. He goes on to say, be strong. We know the word strong means able to withstand great force and pressure. 
So again, here he is telling them to be strong. We just read where Jesus said the winds and the rains are going to come. If you're not strong, if your house is not built on a strong foundation, it's going to fall. So here the apostle Paul is urging the church of Colossians. He's, he goes on to say, be strong in the faith. We know faith is what you believe in. So he's telling them to be strong, to be great, to be great force, to withstand great force and great pressure in the faith, in what you believe in. Uh, we have to be rooted. We have to be strong in the faith. So we'll be able to stand against the forces and the pressures of this evil world that we're living in. That's all around us. We know that we're living in the day of the evil times. Those times are now here on this earth. Just, he said, just as you were taught and always be thankful. In other words, thankful means expressing gratitude or relief. Not only should we stand strong in our faith, the apostle Paul was telling them, but we should stand always being thankful in gratitude and relief, knowing that through Jesus Christ, we have been justified. Justified only means we've been free from the penalty of sin, knowing that through Jesus Christ, we've been sanctified. We've been freed from the power of sin. And though we might live in this sinful world, we are not of the sinful world. We have the relief of the blessing assurance that we will be glorified free from the presence of sin upon Christ's return. And he is coming again. But until that glorious day, the apostle Paul was urging the church of Colossians in verse eight. He said, be sure no one leads. We know that the word leads mean to be changed or command or control of directed. He said, be sure that no one uh, becomes in charge of you, that no one controls you or direct you away with false, false and empty teaching is what he's talking about. And we know the word false means not according to truth or fact, incorrect, inaccurate, wrong, distorted, flawed. And he said empty, empty containing nothing, not filled with the spirit of God, like in meaning and um, sincerity. We know that we're living in a time where people are just uh, up preaching and uh, saying whatever you want to hear. Uh, people are running to and for, fro looking for a word to tickle and, and itch their ear. We need to know that we're listening and we're hearing and we're rooted and grounded in the unadulterated truth, the word of God sent to you by the Holy Spirit, where God give revelation of wisdom and knowledge through his word to his ministers of God to be able to teach you, to instruct you, to be able to cause you to be able to prosper in the word of God. The apostle Paul was letting them know to be sure that you're not led away, that you're not in control of or directed by false uh, and empty teachings uh, that's only human, which comes from ruling spirits, he said. And these ruling spirits that he's talking about, these ruling spirits represent Satan, the evil one of this world, and not from Christ, he said. So what he's saying is they're teaching according to their own human knowledge. They're not teaching according to the Spirit of God. They're not relying on the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, or getting before the Lord, laboring, saying, what would you have for me to give to your people in this hour? But what they're doing is they're preaching what the people want to hear. They're giving them things for the itching ears just to appease the people. And the Apostle Paul began to say, these things are not true. These things are incorrect. These things are inaccurate. They're wrong. They're distorted. He said they're flawed. He said they contain nothing. They're not filled with any meaning or sincerity. But we have to be led by the Spirit of God. We have to be in Christ. 
knowing that it is Christ in which we preach. It is the word of God that which we speak. It is the word of God that's power, that has power, that is quick and sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible say, able to cut through the bone and the marrow. It's that word of God that's going to get in there and change hearts, change lives. I can talk to you all day long, but it takes the word of God. It's the word that convicts and converts, that dwells in us. It's the word of God that's going to keep us. The Apostle Paul goes on to say in the ninth verse, he said, all of God lives fully in Christ. And what he's saying is all of God. He said, lives, live means to dwell, home, resides. He said, all of God, all of God lived fully in Christ. When Christ was here, Christ came in the fullness. Christ, he said, even when Christ was on the earth, all of God lived here. God came down in the, in the likeness of human flesh to show us how we can live an abundant life. He goes on to say in the 10th verse, and you have a full and true life, a full and true life, a spiritual life in Christ, who is ruler. Ruler means dominion. He has rule. He has dominion, the Bible say, over all rulers. When we look at that scripture, it says all of God lives fully in Christ, even when Christ was on earth. And you have the full and true life in Christ, who is ruler over all rulers. When we look at the word rulers, we know he's talking about government kings, queens, any monarchy. He's ruler over the president. Yes, I said presidents. He has all rule, all powers over all things. In the 11th verse, he goes on to say, also in Christ, they got that word again, in Christ. Um, he said, you had a different kind of circumcision. You know, when we're talking about circumcision, we're talking about remover of the foreskin. We know that in the Old Testament, uh, the special meaning of circumcision for the people of Israel was found in Genesis in the 17th chapter. Now, in accordance with the text of God, we know that God renewed his covenant and promise to Abraham following the initial contractual relationship. So we know that in order to be uh, come in covenant relationship with God, they did remove the foreskin. But the apostle Paul is reminding the uh, Colossians church. He's saying you have a different kind of circumcision. He's reminding us that we have a different kind of circumcision. That circumcision is not done by hands, but it is through Jesus Christ circumcision. He's letting them know that this is uh, through his death that we were made free, free from the power of our sinful selves. So in other words, what is the apostle Paul saying? He's saying the circumcision that we've been given, this circumcision was not made by hands, but it is this circumcision was given to us through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, that we are now made free from power of sin and from the power of our sinful selves. In other words, because of what Christ did on the cross, we have been sanctified. You are now free from the power of your sinful self and the, you know, that part of you where no good thing dwells, you are free. You are no longer slave to sin. Sin has, is no longer your master. So stop serving sin. You're free. Sin no longer have you. So we need to let go of it. My God, if we can ever just get this down in our spirit, man, so if we can ever just get this thing, church, we'll be giants in Christ. We will be able to with boldness declare for real, for real, I can do all things through Christ that strengthen me. We can live a victorious spiritual life. We can begin to live and not just exist until Christ return. Many of us are here just existing, not really living and experiencing the fullness of joy in Christ that he has promised us. He said, I come 
that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In other words, what is Christ saying? He said, my main purpose for coming is that you might have life. Not only that you might have life, which represents the fullness of joy, peace, love, health, prosperity. But he said, I come that you might have all these things more abundantly. I come that you might have the fullness of joy more abundantly, that you might have peace more abundantly, that you might have love more abundantly, that you might have health more abundantly, that you might have prosperity more abundantly. So what exactly does that mean for us, the believer? It means that if we're walking around here full of anxiety, depression, worried, sad, walking around here in one of the 17 works of the flesh listed in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, instead of the nine fruit of the spirit, we are not having a victorious spiritual life. What it means is if you, including myself, are always walking around here sick in our bodies, full of aches and pains, or we're having a day filled with more doctor visits than a visitation from Christ, we are not living life more abundantly. The word tells us in John 3, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper, be in good health, even as thy soul prosper. It is God's will for us to be in good health. It is God's will and his wish for us to prosper. So what's the matter with us, the church? He has told us clearly in his word what his wish is for our lives. The word has told us what his thoughts is toward us. He said his thought towards us are good and not evil, to give us a future and a hope, to give us a victorious spiritual life. The apostle Paul goes on to let the Colossian church know in the 12th verse, when you were baptized, you were buried with Christ. You were raised up with him through your faith in God's power that is shown when he raised Christ from the dead. When you were spiritually dead because of your sin and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. What is he saying? He's saying you have been buried through the baptism. You have been raised through your faith in the same power that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He's saying, remember that because at one time you were dead. You were dead men walking. He said, why were you? Because you were a slave to sin and to your sinful selves. You were living dead men because you were under the power of sin and self. But God, because of his grace and his mercy and his love towards us, we are no longer dead in sin, but rather dead to sin. God made us alive with Christ Jesus. We've been free from the power of sin and your sinful selves. We have been made alive and called to wake up to a new life in the spiritual life of Christ Jesus, who forgave us of all our sins. In conclusion, the apostle Paul reminds them in verse 14, he said he canceled. Cancel means eliminated or offset the debt. The debt means something that is old or due. He said Jesus canceled the debt, which is listed all the rules we fail to follow. In other words, Jesus has eliminated, he has offset it, the thing that we owed, which was a list of rules that we couldn't follow. It was the law. We couldn't keep the law. We're not, we were just going deeper and deeper in debt, trying to keep the law. But the Bible says, or the apostle Paul saying, he took away the record. In other words, what is the record? The record is that thing that constitutes a piece of evidence about past, especially an account or an act of occurring, keeping record of something or someone that's in a permanent form. So we know that there was a record 
that was presented on our behalf, it constituted evidence. They had evidence that we were guilty. It was evidence that we were sentenced to die. Uh, Christ took away the leisure, the record, its rule, and he nailed it to the cross. And not only did Christ um, take our past conviction, not only did he take our indictment that was against us, not only did he take our sin and nail it to the cross, but God, the Bible says in the 15th verse, of uh, Colossians, the second chapter, the 15th verse, it said, God stripped, he removed all the covering from, he, he stripped the spiritual rulers, spiritual ruler. We know as Satan, uh, Satan, and his demons, his children, his followers. He said, he stripped all the covering from the spiritual rulers and the powers of their authority. So in other words, Satan, his spiritual, the spiritual rulers, which is Satan, his demons, his children, his followers, guess what? They have no power. They have no authority because that authority has already been stripped. They have no more rule or dominion over us. It says with the cross, he, Jesus, won. We know when you talk about one, we talk about take possession of. With the cross, Jesus took possession of. He has the victory. In other words, he, he defeated the enemy. Jesus defeated our opponent in battle. It shows that and showed the world that they were powerless. Not only did he defeat them, not only did Jesus defeat Satan and his demons and his followers, the enemies of God, he not only did he defeat the opponents in the battle, but he, he made an open show of them. The Bible says he showed the world they were powerless. Powerless mean without ability, influence, or power. Help, effectual, ineffective useless, defenseless, vulnerable. Satan know he's all these things. That's why he don't want us to know he's these things. He's helpless. He's ineffective. He's ineffectual. He's useless. He's defenseless. He's vulnerable. He, the Bible says he's as a roaring lion seeking who may devour. He's not a roaring lion. He, he's as a roaring lion. He don't have no teeth. He can't do anything to you. He has to get God permission to do anything to us. There is nothing that happens to us that God has not put his seal on already. You can believe that. We know that from the story of Job. There was nothing that Satan could do to him that God didn't authorize to happen. So as we can see, the apostle Paul leaves them and us with this hope um, and encouragement that the battle is already won through Jesus Christ and the work is done. It was already done at the cross. There is no reason for us to fear the rulers of this world or its powers. There is no reason that we should be a slave to the power of sin or to our sinful selves. We are free. We can indeed have a victorious spiritual life through Christ Jesus. Let's apply. I had no idea when I started that this message would go this long, but I'm telling you today, saints, I feel this thing in my spirit. I truly feel this how do we live a victorious spiritual life? It's simple. We need to know that in order to have a victorious spiritual life, we have to continue to live in Christ. Yes, I said live in Christ and not in the rulers of this world, not in others and not in ourselves. After all, the apostle Paul already told us that nothing good dwells in the inside of our earthly and sinful selves. It is apparent as long as we live here on earth, there will always be a war going on between the spirit man and our earthly and sinful selves. That is why it is crucial that we never get to the point where we turn our backs on God and turn our face to man or to ourselves and begin trusting in ourselves. 
our trust, our faith must remain in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We must live in Christ. The Bible tells us in Acts 17 and 28, in him we live, we move, we have our being. By his power, we live, we move, we exist. It is clearly letting us know that we have no place of comfort outside of him. We have no dwelling place outside of Christ. We can't move, we can't breathe, we can't even exist outside of Jesus Christ. When I think about how many great men in the Bible, even in our current lifetime, that have fallen because they stopped trusting in God, we most certainly can name a few. Solomon, one of the wisest kings that ever lived, lost his kingdom due to him trusting in women and in other gods. He turned his face over to idolatry. Then there was Samson. He decided to put his trust in a woman by telling her the secret of where his anointing and his power came from. We all know King David, a man after God's own heart, decided to put his trust in his flesh and his lustly desires. I won't even begin to call name of current well-known leaders who we knew at one time or another have fallen. Not because they didn't know the word or what the Bible says. Not because they stopped doing the work of ministry, but instead because of pride. Because they decided that they no longer needed to trust God. They slowly stopped living in Christ and started living for others or for themselves. When I begin to think back over my own life and about the times that I've fallen or even found myself in compromising positions, it was because I took my eyes off of Jesus and started focusing and giving too much attention to the situation or the circumstance that I was going through or what was going on around me. The enemy is so deceptive. He always causes storms in our lives with the hopes that we will, he will get our mind off of God. The number one tactic of Satan is to plant seeds of doubt and fear in us, which causes us to focus on the storm. When we focus on the storm, we have the tendency to fear. When we fear, we have two mechanisms on the inside of us. Those mechanisms are called flight or fight. I have found many believers take flight. Many times, I know for me, my flight mechanism kicked in. Once my flight mechanism kicked in, I would just go. Whenever, wherever. Wherever I could to escape the storm or the situation going on in my life at that time. I'm sure there are many of you listening to me today, just like me, as believers, spend most of your time trying to figure out how to get away from the storm. I ran for years from everything and everybody, but one day, instead of having a flight mentality and running from the storm, I went into fight mode, and the Lord is calling you today to fight. It's time to stop running from the storm. It's time to stop running from your past. It's time to stop running from your hurt. It's time to stop running from God. I urge you to stand up today and let the devil know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The Lord has told us in his word that he wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the word of God, that we might be able to stand up and declare to the devil that we are safe from all alarms. We have the word. The word is sharp and powerful. We have to use the word, speak the word, speak peace in the midst of our storms. We should be letting our light shine bright in the midst of a storm so that others might be able to see their way through the same storm. The doors of our spiritual home should be open wide so that those who don't believe that are caught out there in the storm can see their way through the storm, that they might see the light of Christ in our lives shining bright and that no matter what is happening around them or no matter what is happening around us, they might be able to find safety in the midst of the storm. 
not for our glory, or not that we may say, look what I've done, but that they might be able to see the power of God at work in us in the midst of their storm. The Holy Spirit is living on on the inside of us, giving us the ability through the word of God to speak to any storm and redirect any situation that might come our way. We should, instead of running from the storm of the enemy, be the storm to the enemy. When your feet hit the floor in the morning, be the kind of believer that makes the devil say, we have our work cut out for us today. She or he is up. Declare and remember who you are. We are children of the most high God, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, called to sit in heavenly places with him because of him. We are the salt of the earth. Those that are spiritually dead need us to shine the light of Christ so that they too might find spiritual life in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you today for this four-part series. God, we thank you from the beginning to the end, letting us know, God, that we were the living dead. We were dead men walking. Then you went on to tell the church, oh God, that it was time to wake up. Too long we have been asleep that you are calling for us in these last and evil days to wake up. God, we thank you for reminding us and letting us know that the work of Jesus Christ was completed on the cross, that it was finished, that we are dead to sin, that sin no longer has dominion over our lives, has dominion over our bodies, have dominion over our minds. God, that we are complete in you, that we are no longer slaves to sin. It is no longer our master. We just need to let go of sin because it has no power and no authority over our lives. We thank you today for this conclusion message, oh God, letting us know that we have spiritual life through Jesus Christ, that we can live a victorious life because of what Christ did on the cross, that we've been baptized, oh God, with the water baptism, and we've been risen from the dead through our faith with Jesus Christ. And now we sit in heavenly places, oh God, that we can cry out to you, O oh Father, that we can come boldly to your throne, that we might obtain grace and mercy, oh God. God, we ask today that you would search our hearts. The sin that's in us, oh God, move it out of the way. Create us a clean heart, renew a right spirit, oh Father. Help us, God, that we might continue to walk in your will and your way, that we might continue to renew our minds through your word, that we might be giants in you, oh God, that we might grow Grab hold, O oh God, to the faith that you have put before us, O oh God, that we might run this race, O oh God, and not look back, that we might draw others into your kingdom, O oh God. Oh God, we just thank you today. We praise you, Father. We know that we have the victory over all the power of the enemy, God. We just glorify you because it's in you we live, in you we move, in you we have our being. And Father, we say thank you. Thank you for transforming our lives through this powerful word of God. And it is in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I am Elder Shanina Walker. As always, we thank you for joining Yasha Young and sharing his anointing. We do ask that you keep your eyes open for the month of November on this powerful teaching that's going to be done by our Elder Michael Walker on the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't do anything without him. So I thank you, thank you.